I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I Actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And, uh, hey, uh, if you were looking for a TV show about breaking all of the taboos of how, of, you know, how, what is it? Just regular suburban people are supposed to live and how people's lives are supposed to go. I've got the show for you. Because that is the main point of concern about this show. It's like every every order we create for ourselves, every way we try to organize society. Yeah, no, everything you do to protect yourself and tell yourself you're normal. That's all. That's all nothing. You're all hypocrites and you're all liars and you're all corrupt. The show. Yeah, I know. It's no place is safe. No, no place is safe. Uh, you know, no social convention, uh, means anything. No, and plus... And people are crushed by their desires to fit those social conventions. Yes, and I will tell you that I do not know how this show was actually got on the air. Well, no, we know how, because Fox only had one show, and that was The X-Files. And so they would do anything to keep Chris Carter happy. And Chris Carter started reading a bunch of books about serial killers and had a lot of ideas. Like, everybody watched the movie Seven, and then he was like, yeah, but let's go into the real, like, science of this. Let's go into the day-to-day problems yeah the day-to-day problems let's let's you know what if we're not talking about an ultra guy trying to do religious obsession but it's like let's actually look at this how does this seven movie worldview affect suburbia seems to be like all i can say is yes but but my my question no no i completely agree with you on that yeah what I'm just thinking about the second episode and going, yeah. I do not know. Oh, no, 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 I agree. How that got, got on, on television. TV. Yep. I I have no idea. Yep. But we'll get there when we talk about it. But I was watching it going. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm right there with you. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot this episode. So the title of the episode is Weeds. And of course, that's an obvious reference to the concept of a manicured garden. And now, no matter how hard you carefully choose the right plants and place the right plants or care for your lawn, weeds are always going to pop up. Like, that's just the nature of the world. The thing you're afraid of is always going to be there, no matter how hard you try to hide away from it and construct a world where it can't get in. And, of course, that metaphor is built around... I mean, it's it folds right into the whole gated community in which the episode is set. Because this is a world where all of these... Uh, all of these, you know, it's not... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure women are capable of awfulness, too. That's <laughs> definitely going to come up on the show later. <laughs> but, I mean, the episode... This episode is about men who like hide their families away inside this gated community and then go out and do bad stuff in the world. But they bring that sin and hypocrisy home with them. And there's one guy who doesn't (laughs) want to put up with that anymore. 
Yeah, because he's lost everything. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, a. I mean, it's clear what the episode's about. I think it's a good episode. But, you know, it's not as complex as a lot of the other episodes. No, it's a basic, no, it's a basic story. Yeah. I mean, you can think of a Buffy that dealt with the swim team. Yes, oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and you can think of other ones that sort of, it, it's a basic story. Like if you saw just the story and maybe that's what Fox the execs always were just getting was the outline of the story and they all seemed yeah reasonable stories mm-hmm. even you know but this one is definitely your run of the mill or it should be excuse me yeah <laughs> your run of the mill story of trying to find out who's abducting you know, kids abducting kids the first one was killed yeah in fact, in a very creepy sequence, too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a very creepy sequence where the first one is killed. Because he... Uh, right? Um, because the a kid goes out on his dirt bike. Right? That he gets for... Um, that he gets for his birthday. Uh, and oh, he's then, not killed. No, listen to what I'm... Let me finish oh. speaking. <laughs> and we see him get tased and yeah. cattle prodded and abducted. Right? Uh-huh. And then, and this is the key part, uh, the next day, lying in his bed is another victim. Mm-hmm. And that's the key part. And it's a very creepy idea that someone has killed some child and then put him into the bed of the child that he's abducted. It's a very creepy visual. Oh, yes. It, it pales, though, in comparison to the next one. Well, yes, obviously. Now, that's, that's why this this seems almost prosaic. No, I know. Yeah, compared to the next one, which is, oh, unbelievably which was the, intense. You know, and it's when it's the second one you've seen, you go, it, it's the one that's stuck in your mind. Sticks yes, with you, yeah. And the boy, yeah, has been tortured. And it turns out, of course, I love the little scenes. So they're all there, right? Because of the abduction and the... And then finding this body. And then there's CCH Pounder trying to get into. I know! To, trying to get into the community. Yeah. It's like, oh, community. and then you suddenly realize that the gated community is 100% white people. Oh, yeah. Well, we all know people who want to move into gated communities because there are too many you-know-whats. Yeah. Moving into their neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomena. Yeah. Of the gated community, um, because you can, you can actually screen out in the States who can get in and who can't. And, yep. You know, well, they so, are yeah. private organizations that own all of this land, right? It's yeah. a, it's a private corporation that owns yeah. all of the land and it's, uh, the community association or whatever they call themselves. Yes. Well, it's like, it's like living in a co-op. You yeah, know, it's very similar, yeah. Condominiums and things like that, but they're houses. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, so she had been stopped three times on her way to I get know. <laughs> it's so freaky. And she had to have been. <laughs> it was yeah. so funny, you know. Frank just goes, yeah, rolls his eyes essentially. Yeah. 
pretty typical. And the and the cop is the the security, the head of security for the gated community, of course, isn't very happy because he knows. Yep. You know, he's just going, uh he he wasn't all that bad. Yeah. <laughs> as a private security guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you get so they've got and then they have another abduction. Yep. And CCH Pounder is doing the lab work and discovers that all of these boys have had to drink blood. Been fed or blood, the, yeah. The one that was dead had been fed blood. Yep. And they're wondering whose blood it is that they're fed. You know, so that but that takes a while. That takes longer to figure out. It does. And um it it's as I said, it's it it is very much a procedural in some ways. Mm-hmm. But it's a procedural of a horrible story. Oh yeah. Oh, and then Frank wants to. We get the uh, Frank... we get the wonderful community meeting scene. Yes, that's which, what I was just coming to. Which is great. Oh, and by the way, we should have mentioned that right at the start of the episode, uh, you see a guy driving a minivan, right? Mm-hmm. And that minivan, right, uh, and of course, looking on at people's faces and seeing them as withered, right, seeing everyone as withered elderly people and decrepit, like, decomposing people. Yes. And, and he's crying. And he's crying. Yeah, yeah. So it's, that's an important image to keep in your head later, because we also see the kid on the dirt bike who gets uh, abducted. We get a flash of him the same way. Yes. Yeah. So just like of this crumbling. Now, uh, <laughs> here's something fun. The the family, and this is a little a bit of like, you know, clever naming to, to keep you interested and get you out looking in the history books. The family whose son was kidnapped on the dirt bike is named Comstock. Oh, God. You, did you, I guess you didn't notice that. <laughs> No, I didn't notice it, but I do know the illusion. Yeah, um, let's just say that uh, the the whole idea of um, uh, that there should be an official government policing of morality in America was, you know, the put Comstock forth. Laws. Exactly. They were the Comstock laws because of the guy who, you know, pushed and promoted them. But, you know, yeah. the whole idea of not being able to sell pornography through the mail and there being a whole lot of off, off in this. But the idea that the government can legislate morality, those yeah. were the Comstock laws. And so that's why this character is named that. Because, of course, we now look back on it as being, well, that's an entirely futile endeavor. Right. It's a, an almost ridiculously futile endeavor trying to legislate morality. But to at the time, people. they at to the time, people. well, I guess, obviously to sane people, but they thought they could, you know, build their perfect society by, you know, just creating harsh enough laws to punish people who wanted to, you know, see pictures of naked people. You know, if they did that, if they did that hard enough, they thought they would fix human urges. Uh, let's just say Christians have some real weird stuff about sex. Also, inter they hated interracial relationships, but that's another conversation. <laughs> All of the, the, there was a lot of racism in the Comstock laws too. 
And the show doesn't shy away from that either. No, and hence we get this next second episode we're going oh. to Oh my god. So yeah, you know. the um uh Oh god. So this episode, uh It turns we out have, okay. oh, by the way, at the I just want to say at the meeting we have my favorite line uh from Frank, which is that uh <laughs> The woman asks him what the killer wants. Why is he abducting kids? And Frank's response is, he doesn't want anything. He's insane. <laughs> Which yeah. is, you know, it's not what he believes and it's not what's true. Oh. But it's just such a fun thing to say. <laughs> well, it's a, not only a fun thing to say, but you see you know, the, the the security yeah. sheriff, the, the guy who runs security, yeah. looks at Frank because he and Frank have already had the discussion. Exactly. That it has to be somebody in the community. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you know, it, it and- absolutely must be. Yes, because it's a fully gated community. Yeah. So even the the place where these boys are being taken and held all has to be in here. Has to be in there, and it's within the seventy-two. Because I think that the one boy had been kept for about seventy-two hours. hours. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> and we don't know why yet, but we will find out mm-hmm. why that one is dead. Yeah. So they come home to the, uh, the, the Comstocks come home and they find that the number 331 has been written in blood on the son's bed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's key. And of course, Frank knows, is starting to figure it out. Yep. And he's like, that's the message. Yeah. It has to be, it has to be a message. It has to be a, like, there has to be a reason for this. And so she, he, uh, like, it must be aimed at you, he says to the father. So tell me what 331 means. And the guy's cheating on his wife with somebody who works for his company. Yep. And uh, he's like, you and have to confess to your it. wife. Yep. And the boy knew it. And was keeping his uh, father's secret. And the father stopped. The minute he knew that he saw his boy, he went, oh, shit. And he but... stopped. But Frank is like, you've got to confess to your wife. Yeah, and he doesn't want to, of, of course. Of course not, because he's like, well, I've stopped doing it, and it's not a big deal anymore, you know, and I've, I've made peace with my son, but nope, that's not good enough. That's not, and Frank Frank says, no, nah, because he's figured out that yeah, the other boy. he knows boy, what the killer wants. He knows what the killer wants, and the other boy is dead because the father. This is the confess. sins of the father. Yep. The sins of the father being visited upon the children. Yep. Yeah. As biblical as it can get. Mm-hmm. Right? And so Frank's going, okay, these guys have to have had something in common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do they have in common? Turns out they were both on the swim team. Mm-hmm. Well, and a third, um, and a third boy is third abducted one. that night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and Frank worries that he produ- uh, he provoked the killer who wanted nothing yes. by saying the killer wanted nothing. He might have yes. provoked him into upping his timeline. Yes. However, our father, Comstock, yep. does tell his wife. Mm-hmm. And they get their son back. Mm-hmm. So and this solidifies Frank- what Frank is saying that it is that it is this yeah. attack. And 
he goes and talk because they did go to talk to the guy who runs the swim team. Yeah. You know, um, and he's very concerned about these boys, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't really necessarily at this point, you don't see that it might be him until you get his sad story. Well, it's not him. He's not the killer, but the actual kill. It is. He is the focus of the motivation of the killer. Uh, because, and Frank doesn't know this yet, but there's the, there's a key moment in the sequence, right? In the homeowners association sequence where the head of the homeowners association who spoiler alert is the killer. Yeah. Uh, because you know, he needs the, (laughs) he, he hates that people are ruining his perfect community with their corruption. But when he says that it's not strange, like, like it is not familiar, sorry, it's not unfamiliar to us. You know, some of us here losing children. And he looks pointedly to someone in the audience. And only in this scene do we find out that the man he looked to is the swim coach. Yes. Yeah. That we find out that the man he looked to is the swim coach. So, of course, he becomes a suspect when we found out his son was killed in a hit and run. Yes. Outside the community. Outside the community. Just outside the community. Yep. And... So that really puts the swim coach in the frame. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, but it, that was so hard because the next clue shows up. Mm-hmm. And I, they didn't follow up really on that particular clue because yeah. it had to be the paint color. I don't think, right, is the paint color of a car. Yeah, the blue car. Oh, in my um, on my screen it was green. Well, I think that's just a color thing. Yeah, that's just a color thing. But uh, we do get the funeral, and we get Frank's psychic vision of seeing everyone old and withered, the same way the killer does. Yeah. Uh, and then again, this show just loves its metaphor. He drives home, and we get a scene with Catherine. Uh-huh. Uh, but we get the key moment that the whole way driving back from the community, from the the gated community, he felt like he was being followed home. Yes. You know, Except and, he thinks that's stupid, but... He thinks that's stupid, but come on, Frank. Come on. When are you going to learn to trust your feelings? I know, it's not your... Inti- <laughs> isn't trusting your feelings your literally your entire job, Frank? Come on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's worth pointing out that, like, whether somebody followed him or home or not, and of course he was followed home, but the point yeah. is... Like, this is going into the entire theme of the episode. Yes. That it's like you have this sanctuary away from the world, but you bring that stuff back with you. Yes. And the guy goes to the next door neighbor. Yeah. Drops off. Oh, yes, I saw it. It was ahead of time. But the paint chip. Yeah, the paint chip. The color. Yeah. To give the clue to help figure this out. And so we get the neighbor again who brings it to Frank. I know. The suspiciously <laughs> nice neighbor who, like, I guess maybe there's nothing wrong with this guy, but yeah, it's so weird watching him. I know. Like, it's this, uh, they've done such a good job filling you with paranoia all the time that every time you see the neighbor, you're like, there's got to be something wrong with this guy, right? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we're watching everything sort of. Um, I would say squeeze in around Frank. Yeah. 
It is right? green. You're right. It is green. I went and I checked. Oh, okay, good. So it so my color color coding isn't off on my uh left on my computer. Okay. But yeah, you know, so he gets it. This the other child has been abducted. Um so now we have two outstanding. The one boy comes back home because his father has confessed to the wife. But that night, we see the two guys, right before the sun gets yeah. home, we see the two guys who have decided to do their neighborhood watch stuff. Oh. Mr. Comstock and the other guy. Yeah. And, and they and the killer rolls up and asks how they're doing, and then he drives away because they have no idea. And they see, a you know, some guy in a hood going through one of the backyards, and they have a foot chase, and, you know, hit him with their car in the foot chase. And it turns out it's just a teenager who's sneaking out after curfew to see his girlfriend. Yep. And now another kid has gotten hit with a car in this yep. community. He's Luckily, not happy. The, the kid's okay. Yeah. For the record. He's he's not he doesn't get killed, thank God, but you know. Yeah, because the guy wasn't going fast because it's a gated community. It's a gated community and they have very strict speed limits. Yeah, like twenty miles an hour or something. Yeah. Something insane like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, these gated communities. So it is Keep but going. the important part is he take brings Mr. Comstock home. Comstock says that he told his wife and his wife is going to leave him, right? And that's all that. But the important part is he gets his son back. Mm -hmm. His son has been returned to him because he did the because he confessed. Yes. And he and Frank interprets the blood as being an attempt to purify these kids. Yes, because it seems that it is probably the blood of the man who is the killer. Yep. He's been saving his blood in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Oh. So you have the next boy. Yeah. Right? Who is allowed to send a message to his father. Yep. And it's very hard to make out, but they managed to make it out, and the father's he hasn't done anything. Mm -hmm. And Frank says, yeah, but, you know, the first guy, it was economic. It was monetary. Yep. And the guy didn't confess. And the boy is dead. And this one, the boy is still alive. And it, if you want to see he, your, Exactly. You're going to have to confess. You're so, going to have to confess. And it is, it is, and it's pretty clear that the paint ship is oh yeah safe. and frank and cheryl track down who has yes. the car from the paint ship yeah. and spoiler alert it's the it's the other guy from the little vigilante raid they just did yes. <laughs> mr brickenbuell yeah so yeah uh second kid he hit with the car <laughs> case you well, were he wondering was, he wasn't no, driving. It, no he wasn't no, driving no. but the point is it's the same yeah. guy was involved in both hit with the car yeah and so they go to um, they go to arrest him, and of course his lawyer shows up and says he had nothing to do with the dead child. And Frank tries to tell him, "Look, here's the deal. You're if you confess, you'll get your son back." 
But you know, I if have you, nothing to confess. But he's got nothing to confess to. Yeah. And then the coach shows up with a tape that was left in his mailbox. Yeah. With his son begging for his life. Yeah. But the problem is <sighs> being arrested by the cops isn't enough. The killer wants life for a life. He wants the dad to kill himself if the son is going to go free. Yeah. Oof. But, uh, so they manage to, so they tell him the situation. Frank and Cheryl listen to the tape, manage to figure out, well, it's the swim team coach's son. It's a huge room with a low ceiling. They've got dripping water on the tape. It's, again, it's the swim coach's son. So all that makes sense is this must be under the high, the pool at the high school. There's yeah. a great big service room under the pool at the high school. We should check there. They go and they check there. They catch the killer. Who's the head of the homeowners association? They rescue the son. And when they get home, Mr. Brickenbuehl has already hanged himself. Yes. Jesus, this episode. Yes, because we see Mr. Bricken go upstairs at one point. Yeah, we see him go upstairs as they're leaving. Yes. To go and look for the son. And, and... Oh. They managed to have more time because the home, the head of the homeowners association has made it clear. Yeah. And n knows that he's dead. Oh, yeah. Yes. Before he shows up yeah. to get arrested. It's, it's quite an episode. Yes. Because he's actually turned off the lights underneath the swimming pool. Yeah. In the basement. Oh, yeah. You know, so they have to walk around with flashlights and it's it's very tense. It's a very tense scene. And they, you know, and he surrenders. And that's the question is like, he seems to know that Mr. Brickenbuehl has killed himself and that his plan worked. Yes. And I guess we just go into a supernatural concept there because, <laughs> of course, it's literally happening at the same time. He's underneath when all of that's happening. It's not like he's been watching. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough ending to an episode <laughs> because literally like the last thing that happens in the episode is Frank finds Mr. Brickenbuehl's dead body. There's yeah. no, there's no denouement. I mean, I guess that yeah. is the denouement. Yeah, the climax of the episode is the rescue and the denouement is this man's feet as he hangs next to a flipped over chair as he hangs from a noose. Yeah. It's a rough episode of television, but you are right to say that, like, you could see other shows doing this episode. Yeah. The, yes, it is is very much a procedural. Mm -hmm. Just slowly but surely, bit by bit, figure it out. Yeah. Because you're getting all sorts of clues. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not, even if you don't know exactly who it is, and you do have one red herring, but that's all. Yeah. You know, you can just, you, you can watch it and it is, however, it is the lighting. Oh it is God. the the music. It is just, well, driving, it's, and it is the it's horror Lance Henriksen. of the situation. It's Lance Henriksen's performance. Yes. Like, again, uh, this is su a show with such an overwhelming gravity, you know? And yes. again, I, I know I said it jokingly back in our first episode, but I think it's true. Like this show just means everything so hard 
Like it means all of this. It is, it is. And I mean, you can say to the extent where it succeeds or fails is open for debate, but it believes that it is saying something about humanity and the state of the world. Yeah. Like it believes this is a show that believes it has something important to say. And that gravity is in every pore of the show. Yes. And that show could show everybody could watch it today and, and go, you mean this was made 25 years ago? I know. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane because the world has gotten even worse. Oh, my God. It's it's fascinating, this show. All the right. internet has screwed everything up. All right. Uh, now, let's move on to... Blowing <laughs> <laughs> like a hunting flame. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Title. Yeah, just the weirdest. I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's a reference to, like something William Blake wrote or something like that that I'm just not aware of. Yeah. Oh, no, that's it. I'm going, I know it's got to be something, right? But... You know? Yeah. Like, come on. Okay. Uh, but yes, literally, oh. the first thing you see in the episode is a picture of a vampire grabbing a woman in an ad for a rave. <laughs> it's Boulder, Colorado. And there is a rave going on. And then we cut to that rave. Yep. And uh, the important part is that uh, you may not have noticed, but they go out of their way to show you the guy advertising for the rave is standing outside of a pharmacy. Yep. And two of the people he handed an ad to, we follow into the rave that night. Yeah. Uh, And it's... I mean, the budget of these episodes, I watch a lot of, um, I watch a lot of television. You don't see crowd scenes like this anymore. Like you're looking at this scene. Yeah, I know. And there's like, there's 60 people in this rave. Yeah. Shows don't do crowd scenes anymore. Yeah. You see it in, um, still sort of in British, but. Yeah. But not, not even that much. Like, these big inhabited worlds are in so few shows now. It's very odd. You don't... St- like, worlds are so limited and sterile now on television. You know? <laughs> they don't feel as much like real places as the griminess of this underground club. And this is going to be a thing that only affects me. Uh, and I'm just going to say it now because it might come up later. Uh, the killer we see watching the two people who... Uh, were outside the club who were outside the pharmacy and are now inside the club um he looks uncannily like dan castellanetta the voice of homer simpson and i know almost nobody knows what homer Sim- the voice of homer simpson looks like <laughs> so this only affects me but the entire time i'm watching this episode i'm like that's not him right that's not the voice of homer simpson on a different fox show and it's not it's a guy named Harothgar. Uh, so like, it's not, it's not Dan Castellaneta. It just looks uncannily like Dan Castellaneta in a way that is very distracting to me specifically. Yes. It wasn't distracting. No, of course. 99 out of a hundred people, probably 999 of a thousand people who watch this episode of television are not going to have the same weird distraction that I had, but I did. And I'm just admitting to it now. But if you look up a picture of Dan Castellaneta right now, you're going to see what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> I'm not going to, but yes, I will yeah, believe yeah. you. Right? Yeah. But yes, the important part is the creepy guy comes up to them and offers them drugs because they're at a rave. Yep. And that's what you do at a rave. And then we see him filming them having sex. Yep. <clears throat> he wants to make some amateur porn with them. And they're more than willing. And they're more than willing. Because, you know, uh, this show is very cynical about rave people. And, it, well, it, they're stoned. And they're stoned. And they, they were already care. talking to a, a girl oh, yeah. initially. And oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're looking to party. They're looking to party. Come on. Yeah. You know, the girl at one point says, well, come and join us, you know. Yeah. To the guy who's doing the filming. and. Mm hmm and he says, nah, nah, you know, yep. not interested. Um, well, no, he says, well, after I finished blah, 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 right? And then you see him putting together a needle. Yep, as the two of them are napping, are crashing from the drugs they did. Yeah. So they're happy <sighs> to get more. Yeah. Because that's what they assume they're getting. And what they're getting is their death sentence. Yep. So then we get a unbelievably creepy home scene with the killer and his wife yes. where like he's so casually controlling and yeah. again brilliant use of costuming on the wife and the hairstyle on the wife to reinforce how controlling this guy is yeah but he's like he he thinks it's important that she be sequestered away. And if she has to go out for groceries, like she take certain precautions and make sure every, like he has to protect her from the awful world out there in this little house he's built for her. Like it's such a creepy idea. And then we find out their 18th anniversary is coming up. Yep. And I'll talk about why I think that number is significant later. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll get back to that in a minute. Right now, we just have to focus on the nature. Oh my God, this episode! Uh, <laughs> there's there's a uh, like um, an arboretum. Oh God, yes. The kids are on a school trip too, and the two dead bodies have been left posed like Adam and Eve. Yep, in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden. Oh my God, this episode. <laughs> Because there's no apple tree there, though. No. As has been pointed out by the guide before the children find. Yeah. Adam and Eve. Yep. It's it's a perfect connection. Yeah. I sit. It, it, this whole. This whole episode. So, is such that all I kept thinking was. How did this get on television? I know. Because there is no way we can explain to you what this was like. Because we, when do we find out? Because you're what? You're, you've got it running, right? Yeah. So, so what happens? So they find the Adam and Eve. And of course, it's weird enough that brings in the Millennium Group. And then the cop is not at all interested in hearing from them. Yes. Yes, not because at all. he used to be in the LAPD and he doesn't need, you know, consultants helping him solve the, this. Although, honestly, he'd be happy to believe this was a suicide pact from some <laughs> messed up teens. Well, and that's what he said. And yeah. 
Frank says, yeah, well, I can't imagine that this suicide pack would, they would be able to do all of this. Yeah. Right? It's a lot of posing nonsense and the bite of the apple with two. Yeah. <laughs> the two, the apple with exactly like two little bite marks out of it. This, this seems very preposterously staged for a suicide pack. Yeah, yeah. Is Frank's feeling on the subject. And of course, Frank's right. But in a nice bit of realism that so many shows forget to do. Uh, they show c- kids finding these bodies first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then when Frank and uh, the woman who's with him from the uh, uh, the Millennium Group, woman. the woman who's with him from the Millennium Group, who you will recognize as Frasier's yeah. agent from the show Frasier. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, from Frasier. But remember, she was also on the evil woman on... Babylon 5. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. The Psycorn. Yeah, no, I know. But yes. for me, she'll always be, you know, she'll always be babe. Frasier's agent. Fa- Frasier's <laughs> agent from Frasier, who is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Who is just, a, you know, a comedy goldmine. Who yes. would always be counted on her to be hilarious. But anyway. and that, But that's why that isn't the first thing that comes to mind. No, of course Babylon 5 would be. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> She's Babylon wonderful five. is the point. Yes, she's wonderful. She's wonderful and she's really great here. And of course, the uh, the, like, cop. the cop is incredibly uncomfortable working with a woman generally and on a sex crime specifically. Yes. Because, you know, he's almost well, a cliche. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out later. He's almost a cliche. It turns out that he's not quite a cliche as we no. will find out. No, he's got other stuff going episodes. on. Yeah. And that's what and- we love about this show. Yeah, and and, and uh, I thought they treated him rather well. Oh yeah, it's not they're not terrible the to this guy at all. The no. writing is very like it it understands this guy's point of view in a very yeah. mature way. Yes, and he does come to understand the usefulness of having a woman on this crime. Yep. So, on, on top of everything else, but we'll get there. But yeah, so they're looking. The woman comes. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her, the female cop, if only she'd stayed on as his partner. Yeah, well, that's... Three, it might have been better. Well, we'll talk about season three when we get to season three. Yeah. yeah, well, no, I mean, but I'm looking at her potential partners that they could have had. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so, so uh, Frank does criticize him and say that if you'd worked with women, you'd understand to value their opinions about this kind of sex crime stuff. Yeah. Cause they know, they know they have a point of view that you don't, that you can't understand. Yeah. All right. So they go to the, uh, the dead guy's dorm room and finds two people there, uh, two of their friends there, Having which leads sex. them to the club. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's a very sex filled episode. <laughs> oh, you know, and then he says, well, yeah, and and how do you think if you were dead? How do you think they would feel about, uh, yeah. Having how, sex yeah, in on their, their bed. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like these two knew that their friends yeah. were dead, yeah. but yeah. And then uh, that's the shocker. So then they tell them. They tell them about the, the club. rave buzz. And... Yeah. They tell them about the rave and they go and they brace the guy who runs who runs the club and it's like, do you deal drugs? And he wants to know if he deals drugs to people, you know, and he the says, guy, no, but what people do in my club, you know, you know, that's up to them. Yeah. He's here to provide a, uh, a place Thank for people you. to party. Yep. 
And that's the, that as far as he gets into it. All right. And so Frank, you know, again, sees that the place is dripping with sex. <laughs> uh, yeah. And what I love the idea is by he's no, no, he's saying that the uh, Frank's take on it. And it's an interesting way of looking at the Adam and Eve stuff is Adam and Eve is innocent sexuality. Yeah. And young people getting killed, right? Is this idea of innocent sexuality and juvenile sexuality. Because again, the whole concept of Eve is they're inventing the concept of sex. Yes. Right? And that is what they are in the Garden of Eden. And that's what the killer he feels is obsessed with. And that's why he's killed young people and why he's posed them as that. And Frank thinks he's going to evolve after this. Although we don't know how just yet. And then we find out how. Oh, Lord, watching them at the swap party. The swingers party. Yep. And again, you want to, you want a question about how the stuff you can't, uh, you can't put on television. So guys, you know, they, they swap wives. They, uh, drive off, right? They drive off with their, you know, partner for the night. And then two couples are left in the house. We don't know who, which couple's house it is. Yeah. Right. And the two women are like, uh, we want some champagne. Yeah. And so they drive off to get some champagne. And we see, by the way, the killer has been, you know, peeping in the window this whole time. So they drive out to get some champagne. And he pretends to be a cop to pull them over and fantasizes about them coming on to him. Well, I'm not sure if that, that part of it was a fantasy or whether they did really come on to him. It's hard to tell because, yeah. you know... It it well, is really hard to tell. They were swingers and they were willing to have sex with one another and with all of these others. And yeah, so but the fact that like, it's, how do I put this? You say that, but the fact that when they come on to him, it's in the, like, the gaudy shot on film overexposed version of them That's, that he yeah. watched in the thing suggests that this is happening inside of his head. Well, yeah, but then how did he get them? To uh, no, I, I know. But no, no, no. His place. I am not saying that they didn't agree to it. I'm saying it wasn't the the sexy come on that we see. Okay. I'm saying, yes, obviously he got them to his place and got them to use the drugs and film them having sex. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm yeah. saying the, the form of the come on is romanticized in his fantasy in a way that it wasn't in what really yeah. happened. Yes, yes. No, I, again, we're just talking about layers of artifice that the episode is doing now. <laughs> and you have to admit that this is an episode that has layers of artifice to it. Yes, and I don't know that I want to watch this episode for a third time. I know, right? To double check. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Whether wow. I see it the same way you see it if I watched it again, but I'm not going to watch it again. So, yes. So then we see these two husbands go to report their wives missing. Yeah. Yeah. And well, why didn't you come right away? Uh, 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 roll my eyes. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, that they yeah. put this and here's the stuff you can't put on television, like that you can't believe they got on television. Like no one is saying this out loud. The implication is that the two husbands were having sex and that's why they didn't notice their wives were missing for two hours. That is the clear implication. 
Yeah, but even then they didn't do it till the morning because yeah, because of course yeah, and it and it doesn't matter because that's the whole thing with these swap things that you can end up in 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 um, homosexual relationships as well as heterosexual. Like it's all it's yeah, all it's happy. it's hey, anything goes. Key. That's the whole point of the swap night. Yes, the keys you pick up are the keys you and pick if, up. Exactly, right? and what's interesting about this right is that. The show, I can't imagine another show just dropping that so casually. I will tell you that the only thing that, uh, the only other one that I can think of that dealt with this issue was, um, and it was so sad. It was, I think it was Da Vinci. Da Vinci covered it. That Da Vinci covered it and it was just, a horrible, a horrible thing because it was again one of these these swap meets just to, right? And then um, this man gets killed, right? Right? And um, so, but they have to interview everybody who was at this. Yeah, the swingers party. The swingers party. Yeah. Right. And the funny thing, I mean, the funniest episode in that, like they do it very differently. They bring them down to the police station. And the one guy is saying, yes, it was his idea, but now he's not so keen on it, but his wife has decided that this is, she loves it, right? Right. So he's, he's no longer keen on it. It was mm-hmm. his idea. Um, right. But anyway, that was a funny thing within, within this. It was a terrible story because what happened was it was not just a swingers party, but there was an awful lot of BDSM as well. Ah, okay. Okay, and so there were all of these pictures. It turns out that her son killed her second husband because her son had found these pictures. Right. And I don't know. He was putting away the laundry. I don't know how he found them. I don't remember. Not important to the plot. had found the pictures, and the mother had said that her husband forced her to do this. Ah, okay. So yeah. So then the son. So shame died. around, uh, shame around people's sexuality led to murder, yeah. which is, spoiler yeah. alert uh, is also what this episode is about. <laughs> yes, but a very different episode. I'll tell you, this one is so raw yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, it is. It is truly raw. Mm-hmm. You know, when you find the final motivation, because okay. Frank then starts to work together he's starting to get this profile of this guy yeah because this is a shift right Mm -hmm. in in um this is a progression in his behavior absolutely you know it's no longer heterosexual couples now we've got Mm -hmm. sort of this the lesbian thing going on and frank's afraid of where it's going to go next and then we find out where it's going to go next yeah, but the key part is Frank is analyzing. Yes. Right. What this guy, like why this guy wanted this and what's wrong with him. And, and Frank's figuring out that, yeah, go on. No, no. Just like this guy who is, can only relate to sexuality through fantasy and fetish and ideas of it. Well, yes. And he probably can't have sex himself. Yeah. And and then, of course, we also end up with the the problem of the drugs because they found an anomaly in the drugs. Mm-hmm. 
And so then it's somebody, well, is this just somebody fiddling? No, no, no. This has to be somebody who's, who is in connect, is, is in contact with the drug, works with the drug, right? Yeah. So, because it should disappear pretty quickly in the bloodstream. Yeah. And, uh, and it will automatically kill whoever gets it. Yeah. So. Exactly. Like it's, it's, it's ecstasy, but it, it yeah. will kill you. It's, 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 and it's not the pills that he was giving. It's. Yeah. This thing in the needle, the liquid in the needle. And then we see our killer working in a drugstore. Yeah. That's why we saw the pharmacy at the beginning. Yes. Because it's he worked great. in that pharmacy he was uh, that the tout was standing outside of. And then, of course, then we end up with this. And then uh, as we <laughs> see, oh, my God. That scene where the newlywed couple shows yes. up. Ooh. Or the, yeah, they're, they're not. The, yeah, they're sorry. Gonna get they're getting married, married the tomorrow. Yes, yes. Still. Yeah. But so, still. And by the way, uh, I know this is uh, this is a weird thing to point out, but this couple has like the most Canadian accents I've ever seen on American <laughs> television. Like, there's no way these people live in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> these are, unless they're like from Alberta. <laughs> like, they have like, just the most Canadian accents I've seen on the show. It is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just you know, it was shot in Vancouver. Yeah. But yes, the, uh, Oh my God! The the when Babe gives her speech about like her profile of the guy because again she's their specialist in sex crimes, yeah. And that like this fantasy has to be because we've already established Frank's thing is that like he has to kill the, these people so that no one can know about his fantasies. Like yeah. he needs his fantasies to live out, but he can't like let them continue living in the world knowing that about him. Yes. Like, he can't let his, anyone know about his fantasies. And she's like, a man this obsessed with his fantasies probably is incapable of actually having sex. Yeah. And, you know, it wouldn't even shock me if he was in a relationship that has never been consummated. And you're like, oh, my God. And then we, because in our heads, we flash back to that couple. To that couple. And you're like, yeah, that's that's what's going on. Yep. She nailed it. <laughs> Ah. And you're like, they were allowed to put this on television? Well, this is what I said. I don't know what the, you know. You, know, anyway. you don't know what, like, the the rules are, but it seems insane they were allowed to put this on television. Uh, and this would have been in the days without those all those extreme warnings we get now. Well, no, they had custom warnings at the start of this show. That's, remember yeah. the first episode, how it had yeah. the whole... You know, this unusually clear warning about the show's content because it was so extreme compared to every other show on television. Yes. Well, and yeah. And now it's just we get warnings all the time. On everything. I don't know. There's a content warning on every show now. Yeah. But yeah. At the time, I you're really... right. Like this, it was for shows like Millennium that they started developing that whole concept. Oh, my God. But Yes. So the husband comes home with flowers for his wife. Yes. Uh, and oh, trying, 
and tries to explain that he understands that he has not been a full husband. And, and the, he wants to try again. Because it's their wedding anniversary. Because it's their wedding anniversary. But the idea that it didn't, he what he go. says is that it didn't go well the first time. <laughs> oh. It's so creepy. It's just, and so she agrees that yeah. this would be nice and she smiles and she's hoping against hope. Yeah. That this to is like, going to work out. That this is going to work out. And we're like, oh no, he's, is he going to kill the both of them? <laughs> is this a suicide pact he signed him up for? Assuming that they're going to have successful sex. Yes. Assuming that they have successful sex. It's, yes. it's a very bleak scene. <laughs> and that yeah. is what this, and even for a show that is known for bleak scenes. This is this is truly, and then he has to go back to work. Yep, has to go back to work, and they, and meanwhile, they're going to look for uh, compounding pharmacies, so pharmacies where they make the drug on the premises, because only an actual compounding pharmacist could have built these custom drugs, and they found a guy who works there who matches the description that the club owner gave them, and has been missing from work since that morning. So they go and they see the wife. Pretending that it's just about, you know, prescription stu- uh, discrepancies. Yeah. 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 And then BB starts to ask the question. About their relationship. And we find, that's when we find out that, no, they weren't, they did not have a successful. Because yeah. Frank had already said he's probably married and. Yeah, yeah. They, they talked about that. And he's, and yeah. he, and Frank and had thought already that, that he was probably a virgin. Not only that, but that. That he um, that that she has found other qualities in him. Yes, qualities that. in him, like his reliability his and things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you see them around in searching in his house. Their home. They're in the home. The guys go kind of away while BB talks to her and asks her questions and says, um, yeah. "I know these questions are strange, but I have to ask you." And then they go up, but they go upstairs. They find. This yeah. magazine, a, bo- a bondage magazine. Bondage magazine, and this is the key 18- part, from the 70s. Yes, from the 70s. And you're like, oh my God. And you've just unlocked the entire show for us, which yes. is, he was raised in such a repressive household that he had to go to pornography to find out what sex was. Yeah. And, this and was- what he found was bondage porn, and he thought that was uh, what sex was supposed to be, and his wife was so freaked out, and he was so ashamed, he never attempted to approach her physically for the next 18 years. Oh. Okay, that's pretty bleak. (laughs) And now he's got where he is because she says he's not at home he's at work and they say no he's not yeah and they don't know and then they're trying to figure out where he is because he obviously is killing he's yeah and and then we go we get to him doing the whole photography thing. with the married uh sorry the fiancés that he's uh um, and he's even got a wedding dress to put on her, her and, yeah cuz again he's trying to create the wedding night yep yeah. 
And to prepare yeah. himself. Yep. Yeah. So, and then they're looking, and then Frank finds the house and says, okay, this is the house where... But by the way, is there a more... Um, is there a more just a wrenching episode like thing in the episode that when he's taking out the wedding dress and we have his flashback to his memory of his oh, own dude. wedding night with his wife yeah. and her crying and horrified at yeah. what he thinks sex is supposed to be? Yeah. Oh my God, this is a rough episode. Oh, well, yes. And I've watched every episode of Criminal Minds. I've watched every episode of Hannibal. You know, I've watched... Like, I don't know that I've seen, like, anything this bleak in this specific way. Okay, I know why all of this is so distressing, right? Yeah, please. It's because everything we've watched, we are dealing with normal people. Yeah. Get sort of screwed up, and they all have... No, I don't say we don't, because we don't always get backstories. No, not always. But we can easily create backstories, which you just sort of did. Well, I mean, uh, the show makes it pretty clear with yes. the with As the cut-in of that woman's face <laughs> weeping yes. in her wedding dress. Yes. And mascara running down her face. Yes. No, no, I'm, I'm not discussing yeah. that. But it's always, like, this episode is so bad because this is such a miscommunication yeah this is such a a Just, horrible story yeah you know in the sense that it's this is where this guy has to go to mm-hmm. be able to have sex with his wife yep and and you know all because like the society he's from is so repressed he's never been able to discuss his needs with anybody yeah he, ever discuss sex with anybody exactly his wife just sort of accepted it because they were Mm -hmm. already married but then and getting married and being a good housewife is just what you do yeah no children Uh, because that's the other thing bb says have you had any children yeah how many children do you have is the first that section she asks yeah and then then says when did you last have sex with your husband yep and she's like and then they show her the magazine yeah and she's well, and that's why that's why I think, right, yeah. that this being their 18th anniversary is so key to why this is all hitting him now. Because had they had a normal sexual relationship, he imagined they would this year have a child who was becoming an adult themselves. And he's yeah. never fully become an adult. And that is why I think them making this the 18th anniversary rather than you could have made it 15, you could have made it 20. I think they made it 18 to reinforce the idea that he is like, he should have an adult son now and he's not an adult himself. And that's why he's going back to the basics of sexual development that he missed out the first time. Yep. It's a good episode. (laughs) No, I'm not saying it's not. And and in its depiction of this kind of shame around sex, and how it can be extraordinarily dis- It can shatter people. Yeah. It can shatter people. And so they mm-hmm. have to. But in the meantime, back 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 with our team, they're trying yeah. to figure out where he would where he would go. Have these people. 
Yeah. And so they they go back to the house. He says, no, this is the house where the original problem started. Yeah. So it's got to be here. Mm-hmm. And so they go into the garage. Because he finds a giant... What's the important part is... Um, she mentions that one time he removed a, um, he fixed the uh, engine, like took it out and fixed it all by himself. Yeah. And Frank notices a giant heavy winch yeah. in the garage when he's searching the house, which is the kind of thing you would need to remove an engine block from a car. Yeah. But it's still there. And this dude hasn't worked on the car in a while. Yes. And so they do find the trap door and they do find the couple. Yeah. And the couple is just like, save us they're still alive thank thank God. heavens i could not have dealt with it if they were dead but he so once he got all of this stuff he hadn't killed him yet he goes upstairs to his although wife. to be fair be- before we find them is when we get i just want to mention it because you teased it earlier is we get the scene explaining why the cop is the way he is that yeah. he was so emotionally shut down from working sex crimes yeah, that it cost him his marriage and his ability to function with women because he couldn't yeah. get brutality out of his head. And yeah. that's, that's why. Yeah. So he walked out on his wife. Cause he could not, he could not look at her anymore after see and, you know, see anything but a potential victim of the horrible stuff he saw every day. Yeah. And that's why he moved to Portland, Oregon, and why he's so suspicious about the idea of a woman who so casually is working sex crimes. Yes, and why he why and Portland isn't supposed to have sex crimes. No, it's not supposed to be that kind of a town. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you're so naive. Yeah, you just think it's the big city, eh? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And then Let they're talking about small towns. <laughs> yeah. And then when they're driving, they talk about the um when they're driving, they talk about, you know, the motivation that we just discussed. Yeah. Right? Recreating his early sexual experiences. And this is when they find the, uh, like you say, they find the trap door. They find the kids who have, thank God, survived. Yeah. Yeah. They're in bad shape. And, and then, then we oh, see, oh my God. They go running back to find him because... Frank yeah. pretty much and BB know what he's going to do. Yeah. And then he, we see the scene of the f- husband who's clearly high. Yeah. He's clearly a- already taken the pill and he's explaining that they're, you know, that they're going to be together and they're finally going to have a real relationship. And, you know, it's like, we'll be yeah. one forever. And you're like, Oh no, this is the, this is the suicide pact. That's the death scene. No, no. I think they have already successfully had sex. Maybe. No, that that is the impression that I got. Now, and and then and then so now he is going to consummate it so that it so that there is never anything afterwards. That's so possible. Yeah. I I can tell he's high. She does look timid and afraid, which honestly she might after they've already had sex. I yeah. thought they were about to. You thought they just had. Yeah, because it wouldn't make any sense for him to, because he has the needle and he's going to kill them. And it would only make sense. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's only making that. You're right. Logically, he's only making that speech after they've had sex. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, because like. I I, I just, and this is, I mean, this is me uh, not thinking about the realities of TV production. 
I was confused because they're both still wearing clothes. Yeah. No, they, she probably. But you're right. They have to, they have to be wearing clothes because it's a network TV show. It's the most like awful, hard to watch network TV show ever made, but it is still a network TV show. So yes, they are. They do still have to be in clothes. Oh, by the way, uh, and that is just FYI, had, uh, had this aired at 10 PM under America's laws, he could have been naked in this scene. Yeah. As long as he didn't show his penis, like he could have been naked in this scene. And honestly, it would have been more effective if he was. Yeah. And they both been naked. But, you know, it, Fox never had a 10 p.m. hour. So there you go. <laughs> and anyway, Fox is so creepily puritanical. They also would have never aired that. Well, and I, I do think that, I mean, you can you can say so they've had sex. It was. Yeah, they've had sex. And, and now you're right. And now he's he's ready for the suicide pact part. Yes. Show that this stays forever. No, that makes sense. And will never get sullied. And there will By never... the world. Yeah. No, I, I get it. You're right. I'm yeah. completely deferring to you on this one. I think your interpretation is absolutely and, obviously And therefore, correct. now, and so then Frank uh, and, manages and to come in and interrupt, and he screams at them that, you know, essentially his wife, and this is, that this is his wife, and this is their, right? Yeah. Uh, right? This wedding is his night, wife, yeah. and this is their wedding night, and how dare they interrupt, and, you know, he... He just stabs himself with a needle and kills yeah. himself. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That was that. That was that. Oh my God, this episode. I finished watching it and going, how did this get on television? This is not cable. This is not two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Because even though they weren't naked, other people were naked, and I mean, it was shot well. Yeah, you know, but and and that you know, it's just even though it is only by inference, you know, the swing the the party, mm-hmm. you know, the swap meet, yeah, so to speak, um, and all all the rest of it, and the the first one. Right? Like, I'm right away, you're just going, I'm going, I know I've seen this before, but. But then the end of the episode where the cop is driving uh, Frank to the airport or the train station or however he's, I mean, it's Portland, Oregon, so it's a train station. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, They're not, you're not going to bother flying back to Seattle from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Frank's a sensible man. And they start off by him uh, asking if. Babe is married. Yeah. <laughs> She's very funny. And Frank says, well, what always ask her. her. She's going to be here a couple of days wrapping up the case. Just ask her. But then they just have this unbelievably bleak conversation about how it's like this. He doesn't understand how the world is supposed to work anymore. If yeah. everybody just chases drugs and sex and, and just the whole concept of sensation Without uh, without anything behind it other than the momentary feeling good, which is which is how the club is depicted. And in fact, it's what the club owner essentially expressed as his life philosophy. It's why yeah. he runs the club to like create a place without judgment where people can just feel. Yes. And the cop doesn't understand how you can live like that where it's not in service of something or not to an end. 
and Frank, because this is how every episode of Millennium <laughs> ends, just kind of shrugs and leaves. Yeah. Yep, you've got and some real disturbing questions there. Shrugs and leaves. <laughs> and how many minutes did we have with his family this time? None! <laughs> oh my god, this episode. No relief whatsoever. Nope. The was... show that never lets you off the hook for a second. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was... It Unrelenting was... is the correct term. You see, and this is, and this is the advantage of having commercial breaks. Yep. <laughs> because you but by the way, you, you say that, right? But I want you to try to imagine oh. you're watching the show Millennium. You get through, you know, this brutal sex crime. And then it's like, now, here, buy soap. You're like, no, how I, did you advertise on this show? Who I would don't, buy I an don't. ad on this show? Mercedes? Maybe, you know? BMW? Maybe just cars? I'd say booze, but it wasn't legal to advertise hard liquor at the time. So, no. Anymore. Yeah. No, it is now. But at the time, it wasn't. Uh, Like, yeah, they only made it legal. And that's something fun that I may have pointed out before. But if you go back to the 80s, there was all sorts of... um, There were all sorts of message episodes on every sitcom and a lot... Most dramas about how bad alcoholism was. Mm -hmm. And then, unbelievably suspiciously, in the early 2000s, they stopped doing those episodes... The moment it became legal for hard liquor to advertise on television. I don't even want to go there. I know, I know. I'm just making a joke about capitalism trying to destroy people. Well, no. Let's just take that as a given. Okay. No, but it's like, uh, but I mean, this is one of the few shows where it's like, yeah, advertise a stiff drink after watching an episode of Millennium. I think that just makes sense. (laughs) No kidding. Um, but yeah, but I, I would think, I mean, and that is, that is the point though. If you have those breaks, it allows you to yeah, recalibrate slightly. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Because yeah. you're going to go get the popcorn or you're going to go get some water. Or you're going to go to the take bathroom. a bathroom break. Yeah. You know, it, you don't just sit there and you watch. You get three minutes off to yeah. like center yourself. Yeah. To be back, you know, so that. You don't um, just watch bleak thing after bleak thing after bleak thing the way you watch. and I do. Yeah, when we're watching no it now in the present. No commercials, no nothing. One right. No after relief this. is the key. No part. relief. Yeah. No relief. No protection at all. No. Now this isn't the worst episode. No, no, of course not. But it is by any stretch of the imagination in terms uh, of stressful. No, but it is. It's, it is it's, bleak. But it's such a bleak, sad. unhappy episode it is just so tragic there is nothing in this episode the only hope you've got is that bb and that cop might actually yeah i know because like the cop will finally you know be with someone who he doesn't have to feel ashamed talking to this stuff about yeah because i mean the cop's relationship was destroyed by his inability to communicate how all of this dealing with sex crimes made him feel the cop literally was going through the exact same thing the killer went through yes he made a more positive decision oh you made a more positive decision but it's the same impetus yes it's the same origin yeah. Like, and the show's very open about that. I mean, it's, I'm not saying, oh, the cop could have easily become a serial killer. I'm saying the cop went through the exact same emotional journey 
of being filled with intrusive thoughts and, you know, crippled by shame of those thoughts and unable to cope with them. Yeah. And the cop, as you say, did something way more healthy and just took himself out of the situation. Yeah. And this guy let it fester until he was driven to murder, but it's the same drive. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, the cop had a child, at least one. Yeah. So that, that would have factored in there. Oh, to the decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what would have happened, it, you see, the cop would have had a normal life and he, he'd never been seconded to sex crimes, sex crimes. He yeah. would have been a cop in yeah. L.A. Forever. Just would have been an L.A. cop forever. Yeah. And it was just that that when you watch this, like, I do not understand sometimes. I I had two students. I just sent up the, you know, I, I did the PowerPoint with um, Gemma, Je, Jenna Jameson's 25 Reasons Not to Become a Porn Star. Yeah. <laughs> right? I said, I have two, two groups of people doing... Um, pornography right as they're you know one of their at brown yeah. miller do, do, looking at the historical development non-development attitudes etc of porn yeah but i did send them it up uh, i think what day wednesday or mm. thursday yesterday i found it nice. um, and sent it up to them and um that would have been that would have been well, that that came out of she after she wrote her book, right? Yeah. Um, which, as we say, the least self-aware human being. <laughs> yeah. Is, if read that friggin' book if you want yeah. a masterclass in lack of self-awareness. Lack of self-awareness. Not only that, Jana Jameson had no idea what story she was telling, no. and like the the secret second story that was happening in her autobiography. It is fascinating. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, um, I mean, and, and sh it's, it's almost as if there were two or three different people yeah, managing to tell this story and not connecting them. And she had this therapist who just supported her in her belief that she was a positive person as a porn star. I know. A sex worker, right? Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants to know why I always have a difficult time and i do yeah with it's not that i don't think people should be allowed to do sex, sex work or that it should not have legal nothing. protections and they should have yes oh my absolutely every, they need legal protections and every le every damn john should be put in jail <laughs> that's you know i mean i can have my my opinions but every yeah, yeah because you know, um, if it weren't for these men, there wouldn't be sex work. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Christianity and all sorts of other religious systems that somehow or another mm -hmm. add shame and the rest of it to sexuality and structure, because men want to know who daddy is, who their babies, <laughs> whose father their babies is. But never mind. Don't get me there. Yeah. But I watch it. Right. And there are so many unhappy people and this is one way right you, mm -hmm. you deal with your because not everybody in sex work is a drug addict by any stretch of the imagination oh no you know but you you have to often and i'm not going to say all because yeah. there's no reason you can't choose 
just choose. You like sex and okay, so it's yeah. a way to make a buck. Yeah. And really good living. But yeah. it's what you have to put up with. Yeah. If you were going to do that, and our world does not allow you as a sex worker to be anything but um, ashamed. Yeah. You should be. And if you're not, you don't belong in our society. Is oh, yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Is. Yeah. And so um, like it, it, but it is, you, you look at this, you look at all of the things that happen yeah. to so many sex workers. And then oh, you yeah. add the, the, the drug thing and mm -hmm. the people who take advantage of it. Read Jenna Jameson's book. It's a fascinating read. Because, yeah, because she still has somebody, apparently she still, of course, got her, um, she's still in the business. I had no idea, but, you know. Yeah, apparently one of my students, one of my students that I mentioned this to on yeah. Wednesday, it was Wednesday, I was at the university, and I mentioned it too, so she looked it up and said, oh yeah, she's still got, you know. She's still out um, there, okay. She's still out there now, I don't haven't looked it, didn't check it, but um, I'll never forget that book. Yeah, it's. I'll never forget that book and her in her wedding dress. Oh my as god! As she's marrying that man, and you know, no, I no, know. he's not her pimp; he's her producer. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Okay, yeah, fine, sure. Um, and you know, and this one is gonna work, right? And this is marvelous, and blah 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 blah. She's going on and on and on. There's a picture like after just going uh, through, you know, a hundred pages about this monstrous producer who horrifically abused and exploited her. She's like, oh no, but this time it's going to be fine. You know, and and then she, you know, but I mean, she did not stay with this guy. Of course not. She went and married a biker, right? Oh had twins. God. This was all I didn't, I didn't know any of those parts. Oh, my, again, my knowledge just... ends at the book, the yeah. end of the book, where it's clear that this is going to go badly. Oh, and I'm not surprised that it did. No, of course. All right. But anyway, we're we're too far afield. The mm -hmm. point is, like, this episode is commenting on, and it, it's doing an incredible job of commenting on how closed off Americans are because of their Christian tradition, because of, you know, the Puritan tradition, are about sex and how much damage it does. Yeah. Because it's like, this is an episode essentially saying that people died because it was taboo to talk about what arouses you. Yeah. Like that's the message of this episode. This well, man yeah. killed because it was taboo to talk about what aroused him. Well, not only that, yes, because that was the, his, probably his first experience yeah. about sex. Oh yeah. Or his first sort of everything else was kind of mm -hmm. non-existent. And somehow or another, he ran across a BDSM book, and that was that. Yeah. Again, because, hey, it's a natural human drive. And if it doesn't get shaped in a healthy manner, it it's going to get shaped in an unhealthy manner. Because <laughs> it's, no matter how hard the religious nuts try, they're not going to stop it from happening. Yeah. Yes, there are asexual people, but you're a minority asexual people. <laughs> yeah. And you are a tiny minority. Yeah, I mean that—that's why they use the continuum. Yep. To kind one hundred percent to wrap around your head around that idea, and it can be tough yeah. to wrap your head around that idea. 
But yes, there are asexual people out there, but the vast majority of people are not. And these issues are going to come up. And if they don't have healthy outlets for sexuality, it's going to get unhealthy and you're going to get serial killers. So just keep that in mind because that's something this episode does that, again, so few shows are, are willing to address yeah. as, as nakedly true it is it is that all serial killers are sex criminals. You know, and, and even when a show, it, and that's all there is to it. And as as much as the shows like can't like acknowledge that's a thing, this show makes you feel. This episode makes you feel that, and makes you yeah. think about that. Like that is at the back. That is in the background of what's going on in Criminal Minds. Here, it is foregrounded as bluntly as I've ever seen it foregrounded. Yeah. Well, let let me put it this way. With criminal minds, they couldn't make up their mind. Remember? Well, no. <laughs> that long discussion about yeah, what makes a serial, sexual serial killer, right? Yeah, I know, I know. You know they something they could never mind. quite wrap their head around. Whereas Millennium just says, look. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, works. hey, in, when criminal minds came back, like the Jaws, the bite killer, mm -hmm. they just fully have his mother molesting him. So it's like, they got there eventually. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, yes, but we can thank Alice Miller for that. Yes, we can. All right. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to be back next week with a favorite episode because, hey, if you're wondering, why is it that this show that is clearly about the end of the world, has, you know, based on the title and the fan, uh, I don't know how to say siècle about millennium, so I shouldn't have tried to do that French little thing there. I should fantasy have, uh, yeah, but fantasy yeah. echo means end of century. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, it is a show about end of millennium fears, not end of century fears, but fantasy yeah. echo means, you know, end of the century. But yeah. anyway, the point is, um, hey, this show that's called Millennium and is about, you know, fears about the end of the world at the end of the millennium. Isn't it strange that we haven't actually done an episode about the end of the world yet? <laughs> Well, finally, you're going to get that episode starring our beloved Brad Dourif. Yep. And I'm not going to say anything else about the episode except to say I would suggest you look forward to it. So Force Majeure. Force Majeure is what it's called. And then we're going to watch The Thin White Line, yeah. which that title means nothing to me. I have no memory of that episode. Okay. we'll, we'll uh... So we'll find out what it is next week. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'll recognize it when I'm watching it, but it's like the title means nothing to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that is going to be that. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> If you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher of some kind, please be sure to rate and review it. That is how people find out about the show. We're going to see you back here next week for uh, America's sweetheart, Brad Dourif. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. <laughs>